signs of blood destruction. Sorcerer of death construction. In the fields of bodies burning. As the war machine keeps turning. Death and hatred to mankind. Poisoning. Welcome to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Here we are on Community Radio 3CR, streaming live on 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. This is the Anarchist World this week, streaming live courtesy across the country, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscano, I'm hosting today's program. Now, first of all, I'd like to congratulate all those people who turned up at the 18-hour extravaganza in Ballarat in Victoria yesterday, the 3rd of December, to celebrate the 165th anniversary of the Eureka Rebellion. Now, fortunately, the first two hours of the dawn ceremony uh, at the spot the uh, rebellion took place at the corner of Eureka and Stall Street in Ballarat was broadcast live on Community Radio 3CR. Now, you can access that podcast right now if you go to 3cr.org forward slash Eureka Rebellion. 3cr.org forward slash Eureka Rebellion. I'd like to thank all those people from Ballarat who made us feel so comfortable, who joined in the uh, celebrations during the day, and I would like to thank all those recipients of the Eureka Australia Medal who turned up to receive their medal. And uh, maybe next week I'll go through the whole list and uh, talk about uh, why they uh, we honoured them in such a in such a public way. So don't forget the rec- the nineteenth reclaim the radical spirit of the Eureka Rebellion celebrations will be held in Ballarat next year in 2020 on the 3rd of December, which I think is a Thursday because it's a leap year. So Thursday, put it in your diary. If you do, if you are working, tell whoever employs you that it's, you work on Queen Lizzie's birthday, but you're taking Eureka Day off. Okay? The more, the merrier. We had a good relationship with the uh, newly reformed Eureka Centre. Uh, got good relationship with many people in Ballarat. So, uh, it's a great day. It's a great day to actually, uh, pay our respects to, uh, men and women, many of whom paid the ultimate price for standing up for their rights. And just to remind you what the Eureka Rebellion was all about, it's encapsulated in the Eureka Oath. We swear by the Southern Cross to stand truly by each other and fight to defend our rights and liberties. It's about internationalism, solidarity, direct action, direct democracy, things that, uh, been dear to my heart for uh, many, many years and uh, hopefully in the next few days we'll put up uh, the document uh, which actually looks at our interpretation of the Eureka Rebellion. Now there are some interesting things happening. It is, I usually don't give the day because, you know, this is a, a live broadcast across Australia but some of the community radio stations uh, broadcast 
broadcast bits and pieces at different dates. There are a few things happening in the City of Melbourne. That's right, the City of Melbourne once again. And uh, there is an important meeting tonight in the City of Melbourne. That's Wednesday, the 4th of December at 6.30pm. And it's called What is Happening to Journalism and Julian Assange? Uh, it's uh, a public forum and discussion with uh, guest speakers, including Lizzie O'Shea and Julian Burnside and many other people, uh, regarding the what is actually happening to journalism in this country. And it is quite fascinating when you think about uh, what is happening to journalism. Now, Australia, as I keep telling you, and obviously nobody believes me, is one of the few countries in the Western world, one of the few countries in the so-called developed world, one of the few countries in the so-called democratic or parliamentary democracy sphere that has no constitutional protections for the individual against the arbitrary exercise of state power. It doesn't even have a constitutional free speech the uh, High Court about 20 years ago to find an implied right to a free speech during election campaigns only because you couldn't have an election without so-called free speech. And what we've seen over the last uh, few decades is a growing um, campaign to intimidate the community and journalists. And what we've seen is legislation after legislation being passed through both houses of Parliament, especially during the last seven years of the Liberal National Coalition, uh, basically a hole in the ground, you know, total waste of space, but we'll go into that in another day. And we've seen that legislation which is aimed at three people, three sections. It's aimed at people like uh, Julian Assange, whose major crime, in inverted commas, was actually exposing the futility, the illegal, unethical and immoral behaviour of most of the West when they embarked on a program of regime change in the Middle East, which continues today. And for that... He's been hounded for uh, over a decade, irrespective of whatever you think about Mr. Julian Assange himself. And I have no problems with uh, Julian. I'm about to join uh, doctors for Julian Assange in the next few days. But a lot of people seem to have issues. The issue is much wider than one person. The issue is the fact that the Australian government is trying to intimidate whistleblowers in the private and the public sector, especially in the public sector, from releasing information to the media which highlights the illegal, the immoral and unethical behaviour of government and the corporate sector at all levels. And what we are seeing in Australia today is legal prosecution of people who've put their career at risk and now their livelihoods at risk and their personal assets at risk. People who face decades of jail time because they had the audacity 
to release information to the media about the consequences and the behaviour of large numbers of people, including the Australian military forces. And every time there's a leak, we've got a federal police investigation to find out where that leak has come from and then the prosecution of the person who did the leak. And that's a policy of mass intimidation of ethical and moral people working within both the corporate and the public sector to stop giving out information which should be accessible to the Australian people. So we are seeing the full force of the law being applied to people like Mr Assange and people facing court currently in Australia for having the courage and the audacity to challenge the state, expose the state, expose the corporate sector. And if you look at every royal commission that's been held in this country over the past decade, they've only been held, not because governments wanted to hold them, because of the increasing public pressure that has occurred because brave, honest, moral, ethical people have dared to leak information to a supine media in order to inform the general public about what's actually happening. And whether it was the Royal Commission into Institutional Child Abuse or the current Royal Commission into Disability or the current Royal Commission into uh, Nursing Homes and the list goes on and on. If it wasn't for whistleblowers, you would not have this exposure. And this government is particularly sensitive about, very sensitive about this situation. Now think about it. Think about it. Think about it. So if you are interested and you find yourself in Melbourne, I'm sure there'll be debates and forums and organisations to uh, expose this and especially organisations to uh, uh, assist Mr Assange who's in prison, who's losing weight rapidly, who can't conduct a proper defence, who they don't particularly care if he dies or not in in a maximum security prison who will eventually, unless there's enough resistance, be deported to the US of A to face a lifetime in jail. So at the State Library of Victoria in the Feederette, one of the Feederettes there, I think it's the Village Roadshow Feederette or something, in La Trobe Street, 6.30pm, Wednesday the 4th of December, number of guest speakers, obviously there'll be uh, people from the uh, audience will be able to ask questions and make statements. Some of the people uh, be there will be uh, Mr Julian Burnside, who's on Assange's legal team, as well as Lizzie O'Shea, a writer and broadcaster, and a number of other people will be on the guest list. So uh, you're all welcome 
turn up. I'll squeeze in as many people as possible. I'm sure it'll be a uh, important uh, meeting. It's not just about Mr. Assange. It's about each and every one of us. It's about the right of Australians to know what actually is happening at all levels of government, local, state and federal, what is happening in the corporate sector. And every time, you know, you uh, listen to a radio broadcast, watch a television program if you're a legacy media nut, or if you're into the, you know, the uh, virtual world, every time you look at a site, every time you read a newspaper, there is some story about collusion between the corporate sector, developers, politicians and the bureaucracy. And they want us not to know. They don't want us to know. And they will, and they are doing that by passing legislation which allows them to jail people who for the right reasons leak information to intimidate other people from uh, actually uh, leaking information. And they do that by raiding journalists, looking at who they've called, who they spoke to, and actually tracing back all that information and finding out who made that leak. So this is an exceptionally important debate. Not only is it an important debate, it highlights, as I said before, the lack of constitutional protections, at least when Assange, if Assange is extradited to the United States of America, the debate there will be whether he's a journalist or not. Because obviously many people would think he's not a journalist because if he's not considered to be a journalist, he can be prosecuted under US law. But if he's a journalist, he has constitutional protections under the First Amendment. In Australia, no constitutional protections for anybody in the media to expose the truth. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscano. I'm hosting today's program. Now, look, um, I've been convener of the West Papuan Rent Collective over the last uh, five years. And over the last five years, the West Papuan Independence Movement in Australia has had its office at 838 Collins Street in Docklands. And the Rent Collective has been paying the rent, which is uh, quite a significant sum every month to ensure the West Papuan independence movement has a mechanism via which to organise around the world the struggle for West Papuan independence. Now, West Papua is only 74 kilometres from the tip of Australia, and if you talk to the Australian government or the opposition, it's as if West Papua has never existed. Currently in West Papua, we've seen a heightened of the tensions which have occurred over the last 60 years since West Papua was taken over by the Indonesian government. We've seen many deaths. We've seen the reactivation of the armed struggle in the mountains. We've seen many innocent people being mowed down, extrajudicial executions, and the list goes on and on. So this office plays a pivotal role in the West Papuan movement for independence in terms of their strategy to get the rest of the world to take up this issue through the United Nations decolonisation process. 
And the whole purpose of the of the Wren Collective is for ordinary people like you and me, you know, dumbos like you and me, paying the rent, which does a number of things. One, it frees up the West Papuans to use all their time to promote the cause of West Papuan independence. Two, it means that they can't be deported because they're funding the office. And this is a particularly nasty government we have currently. Particularly nasty government. I'll talk about it in, in a few minutes. So I'm proud to be the convener of the West Park and Rent Collective. I'm proud of all those Australians, most of them poor, most of them social security benefits, many minimum wages, who every day donate a dollar towards the Rent Collective. We have three events a year to show people the offices, to listen to a bevy of guest speakers, take part in a West Papuan lunch. And the next event for the end of the year will be this Sunday, the 8th of December. Lunch starts at 1pm. If you're a member of the Rent Collective, free lunch. If you're not, you can join on the spot, get a free lunch, cost you $365 for the year, you know, $30 a month or more, or you can pay 15 bucks up front, get a lunch, listen to the speakers, listen to Mr. Dr. Jacob Rumbiak, give us uh, feedback on how the West Papua Independence uh, struggle uh, for decolonisation is going and uh, have a look at the office, meet some of the activists, get involved, support one of the last remaining colonial legacies on the planet. So personal invitation, yours truly, me to you, come and try before you buy. If you want to be a member of the West Papua Rent Collective and you can't come down on Sunday because you're busy, can't come down at 1pm for lunch and then some uh, film, guest speakers, well then give me a ring, 0439. 395-489-0439-395-489. We're about 10 members short currently. Be nice if you know somebody who's got everything, who doesn't need anything, and you don't know what to get them for an end of year or a Christmas present. Perfect present. Membership of the West Park and Rent Collective. You can donate, if you're concerned, you can donate anonymously. Give me, a, give me a ring, have a chat. If you don't want to give me a ring, write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. Now, respect. Do you like that? Respect. I don't know what that means, or do you? Well, I was interested yesterday, you know, you, you get up at 2am, you know, you're involved in an 18-hour extravaganza celebrating the achievements of the Eureka Rebels in 1854, highlighting the significant impact they continue to play in Australian society 165 years later in 2019. And one of the small events we have as part of that is during the Eureka Dawn Ceremony, which I said before was broadcast on 3CR.org 
and you can listen to the podcast at uh, 3cr.org.au, 3cr.org.au forward slash Eureka Rebellion. There's a podcast up. It was a uh, ritual burning of an effigy. And uh, this year's effigy, after a bit of discussion, was uh, Mr Scott Morrison. And it was quite interesting. The local uh, ABC and the, uh, I think, the Wynn ch- ch- uh, television and newspapers up there, up in the western region in Ballarat, got a little bit excited, a little bit excited about Scotty being uh, burnt in effigy. I wouldn't waste a match, obviously, burning Scott Morrison. What a waste of a match. But an effigy, well, an effigy which was created by Mr. Graham Dunstan from uh, peacebus.com. Uh, you know, a nomadic uh, activist, man in his 70s. And uh, the effigy was there, the effigy was burnt, and all hell broke loose. Believe it or not, within a few hours. Disrespect, disrespect, disrespect. And I thought, what? What's all this garbage about that we are showing disrespect to the man? I mean, you earn respect. You don't automatically get respect because you're a prime minister or a president or a clergy person or a doctor or a broadcaster. You earn respect. I'd like to see a little bit of respect from the current federal government, especially Mr Scott Morrison, a man who seems to have no ideas, none whatsoever. It wasn't for coal exports and iron exports. We'd find ourselves in all sorts of uh, economic uh, trouble, let alone moral and ethical vacuum. It's quite interesting, isn't it, when you've got people that are religiously inclined religious fundamentalists, that the moral and ethical vacuum seems to grow larger and larger as we speak. So my response was very simple. I mean, when Mr Morrison shows a little bit of respect to the 30% of Australians who are on social security benefits, stops degrading them, stops humiliating them, stops talking about welfare and changes his tune and speaks about social security beneficiaries, stops trying to introduce continuing, criminal, in my opinion, dehumanising, callous, immoral, unethical legislation to hound people who are trying to survive the best way they can because they can't be part of the paid workforce, well, then maybe he deserves a little bit of respect. And when he stops, when he stops trying to criminalise the 12% of Australians who continue to remain in trade unions despite the massive campaign of the last 40 years to disband trade unions in this country. When he removes this legislation to actually disband trade unions, well then maybe he deserves a little bit of respect. And when maybe he stands up for all Australian citizens like Mr Assange who find themselves in difficult legal situations and in many cases not of uh, their own making, instead of picking and choosing people he thinks fit his political agenda, maybe I'd show him, we would show him, the Reclaim the Radical Spirit of the Eureka Rebellion Celebration Group, would show him a little bit of respect. And maybe if he had an economic policy 
which actually resulted in wage growth and allowed more and more people to meet their financial commitments and look after the, their children and grandchildren, their neighbours and friends, well, then maybe I'd show him a little bit more respect. And when he actually stops taking lumps of coal into Parliament House and addresses the issue of the climate emergency we all face and stops fudging the numbers and trying to fudge the system in order to somehow say that we've achieved the Kyoto Protocol, maybe I'd show him a little bit of respect. And maybe if if he took the drought situation that many farmers and rural people and regional Australia finds themselves in and tackled in a, a reasonable way and actually used government intervention to promote regional Australia, not through those losers, total losers in the National Party, which faced deregistration in South Australia because they couldn't even you know, get the members, maybe I'd show him a little bit of respect. Maybe, if he didn't spend all his time trying to destroy the family court and and, uh, and um, amalgamate it with the federal circuit court, maybe I would show him a little bit of respect. This man does not deserve our respect. This man is void of any ideas. The next two and a half years are going to be periods of inertia which we have not seen before. Even his own ministers are calling him Caesar behind his back because somehow he thinks because he won the unwinnable election six months ago that he's going to win the next election. Well, Scotty, you need to earn people's respect. And I'll continue to be involved in campaigns which burn your effigy over the next two and a half years because you do not deserve any respect. And when you started respecting Australians, Australian workers, Australians on social security benefits, Australian trade unionists, and stop giving your love to that 1% that owns the means of the production, distribution, exchange and communication, and stop doing everything you could to look after the 8% of Australians who are investors, who've got the disposable income to be investors, and looked after all Australians, and looked after the interests of the country, not just the interests of the Liberal Party, then maybe I'll change my mind. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. And if you want a, uh, if you want verbal description of the of the burning, it's up there, 3cr.org.au forward slash Eureka Rebellion. It's all there, up to you. Listen to the Anarchist World this week. You can leave messages on 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. You can write to me, yes, I do answer letters. 
Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com or info at PIBC, P-I-B-C-I. Talking about PIBC, public interest before corporate interest, we're inching slowly, very slowly. We make a snail look like a, uh, you know, we make a, sm- a snail look like Mr. Jordan. Uh, but we're inching slowly that 550 mark. We need about 120, 130 more new members on the electoral roll. So if you want to be involved in an organisation that puts the interests of the many before the interests of the few, public interests before corporate interests, go to our website, pibci.net. Have a look at the policies. Have a look at the activities. If it's your type of organisation, download the application form, fill it out and post it out to us. Pipsy. Dot net. Info at pipsy.net if you want to email us uh, some material. Listen to the Atticus World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Now, look, as I've been living in Victoria for over 40 years, I'm a little bit familiar and been involved in the uh, medical um, you know, fraternity, I'm a little bit familiar with the workers' compensation system. And obviously... If you're a medical practitioner, you're always involved with uh, workers who, through no fault of their own, in the majority of cases, find themselves that, you know, that they need to access workers' compensation. And things haven't been great in the state of Victoria, and I assume it's the same picture across the country, and it's worse in Liberal uh, National Party um, states that we all make the right noises, you know, when, you know, a worker gets killed. We're all talking about uh, industrial manslaughter laws. And the newspapers, you know, and the radio, television, the net, they all carry on when something happens. But the reality is, there is a huge number of issues around this country regarding workers' compensation, accessing workers' compensation. Now, you don't have to listen to me. I'm just just an idiot broadcasting from a studio somewhere in the universe. Maybe it's out of the universe. But there are people who've got, you know, got a little bit of, I've got a little bit of respect for. And Ms. Glass, who's the Victorian Ombudsman, examined what was happening in 2016 and has finally delivered her report. And it makes fascinating reading. Fascinating reading. The workers' compensation system, especially the agents that manage that system, immoral and unethical behaviour. Not just wrong and unjust, but it's wrong and unjust on many occasions, but immoral and unethical. And the organisation, which is supposed to be the, you know, the overseer of the system, WorkSafe, refuses to deal with what's happening. Point blank. For significant degrees due to uh, funding, Immoral and unethical, not just unjust and wrong. 
and obviously there are cases of people whose injury gets worse because their interaction with the workers' compensation system. There are even cases of people committing suicide because of that interaction. Extraordinary, isn't it? Not only do you, if you're working, not only do you have the problem of actually going to work and you may never return, especially if you're in the construction field, but if you do get injured, you're treated as a criminal. Extraordinary. But don't take my word for it, I'm just an idiot. Ms. Glass, the Victorian Ombudsman, look at her report, 2016 uh, workers' compensation uh, investigation. Oh, just, just extraordinary stuff. Extraordinary stuff. Even an old man like me is a little bit surprised by it. And I actually work in the system. Listen to the Atticus World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Now, <laughs> you have to laugh sometimes. You really have to laugh. Now, now I think I'm reasonably good at economics. Not brilliant, but, I, you know, I know the fundamentals. And I remember over the last ooh, six to eight months, there's been a lot of excitement palpable excitement in the investment world. Real excitement here in Australia. Interest rates are going down. Official interest rates are now 0.75%, the lowest they've ever been in the history of this country, or the lowest since the 1960s. And we're all, and we had those wonderful $10 a week tax cuts, don't forget that. So if you haven't put in your tax returns, put them in now, boys and girls. You'll get that 500 bucks tax cut, maybe, <laughs> unless somebody takes it away from you. So interest rate cuts, we're told it is good for the economy. It will stimulate growth. Uh, these are not my words. you know. I wouldn't be smart enough to actually know these words, but stimulate growth, put us in surplus, get the economy running as if it's some type of... Uh, you know, living, living life form, the economy, a living life form, okay? So what's happened? What's happened? I'm almost in tears. Only one thing has happened. In, uh, housing prices have increased in the major capital cities. Sydney, Melbourne, Hobart, the list goes on and on. Housing prices have increased once again. We've seen the banks picking the low-hanging fruit. Mortgages on homes because they can't lose on it, boys and girls. They can't lose on it. Mortgages on homes. And so prices increase. Rents increase. Housing prices increase. Investors get more tax refunds. All very exciting, except for the 90% of Australians who are not in that fortunate situation of being an investor because they've got disposable income because they're having trouble because there's no wage growth in actually meeting their financial responsibilities. So we lower interest rates. Housing prices go up. Rents go up. First home buyers are once again squeezed out of the market. With a shrinking public housing sector, 
shrinking public housing sector, we see upward pressures. Now, obviously, the whole point of lowering interest rates was not to create a ha- an artificially an artificial housing boom, which is, doesn't provide anything to the economy, but to actually get business to borrow, invest, create new jobs, expand the economy. Well, it doesn't work that way. You know why? And I do know this for a fact. Because banks are not decreasing interest rates to business. Especially if you're a small business, you're still paying 10, 11, 12, 13, 14% interest on a business loan. That's right. So they're picking the low-hanging fruit. Because with a business loan... There's a greater risk to the bank, although in the majority of cases they want to mortgage over your bloody property. If you if you own property, if you don't own property, the, the interest rate skyrockets. So once again, we're seeing the big four and the little banks who have to who are forced to follow suit. Once again, putting out their hand, grabbing the profits which are made from lower interest rates pushing people into the housing market, artificially driving up housing costs, and at the same time stopping the amount of disposable income that people have to buy stuff, to pay their rent, to pay their mortgage, to pay their fuel bills, to pay their transport bills. Once again, we've seen the lunacy of an economic system which relies on the private sector to create wealth. Extraordinary. And you don't believe me once again, because obviously I'm just a blithering idiot who doesn't know anything about economics. Go to the bank. You got a business proposition? Put it to them. See how much interest rate they're going to, how much they're going to be able to borrow, which is not going to be very much. Whether they want your firstborn as a uh, collateral for the loan. And then find out what the interest rates are going to be. I think you will be shocked. And don't forget to ask for the start-up costs. Extraordinary. What a waste. Instead of decreasing interest rates, simple. Look, again, I'm a simpleton, all right? I'm a simpleton. I don't see things... I don't don't think economics is complex, all right? Stuff goes in, stuff goes out. If you've got... The same, you survive. If you've got a bit more, you're creating wealth. You're improving things for people. So, in Australia, we have two options if we're employed. We can be employed in the public sector and the private sector. Currently, the public sector is taking on workers. The private sector is laying off workers. And if you're a worker, you can be a bodgy private contractor although you're basically an employee, so you don't actually get any of your uh, entitlements. You've got to look after your own workers' comp, uh, liability insurance, and the list goes on and on. So what does it mean? What does it all mean? Why don't we have a third 
tier to the economy. And again, this you can do within a capitalist framework. You've got the private sector, you've got the public sector. Why not have a cooperative and collective sector? They have it at all around the world. There are cooperatives and collectives. Now, you don't make a fortune. You don't have, you won't be able to buy, uh, three or four homes and negatively gear them if you work for a cooperative collective. But at least you're providing products and services at a reasonable cost to your community and you get a reasonable return for yourself. A little bit of job security, which is what people are looking for. You don't have to, you know, jump from part-time job for part-time job. Move from, you know, some bodgy private contract arrangement to another bodgy private contract arrangement. The trouble is, you go to a bank and ask for a loan for a cooperative and collective and they'll show you the door within 60 seconds. Maybe 30 seconds. So why don't we use 1%, 1% of the trillion dollars which is invested in superannuation funds to act as seeding funding for cooperatives and collectives, charging them, say, a reasonable uh, interest rate of five percent, you know, seven was it seven times more than the official interest rate of point seven five percent, and in most cases, you know, you'll get your return, you'll get your money back. Extraordinary. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. You're listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Now, this is a good one. This is a good one. Consternation. Consternation. The education, the federal education minister is pulling his hair out. I don't know if he's got any, but he's pulling whatever he's got left. Consternation. Our kiddies are falling behind in the mathematics, science and literacy. Uh, hurdle race, right? What just happening around the world? Falling behind, and he's talking about let's follow Estonia, where they all, all they concentrate on is the three R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic. Arithmetic, the three R's. <laughs> what, what do you want from kids? You give them a rounded education. You teach them about the society they live in. You give them a granting in the three R's. But in Australia, there's always a difference. Because the education sector has been hijacked by the private education sector. Now, in 2014, remember Mr Abbott? The man who's wandering the earth telling us climate change doesn't exist. The man who had ideas which make me seem like a very moderate citizen, that extremist. He's an extremist. I'm not a bloody extremist. That's an extremist. 2014, he ripped out the guts of the education sector, both the public and private sector. You know, he was on a mission. I don't know, a mission... From the Blues Brothers or God, I don't know who he was on a mission from. I don't think he knows. And uh, after a little bit of, you know, a little bit of nudging, a little bit of pushing, guess what? The funding to the private education sector was returned. 
But was the funding returned to the public education sector? No. N-O. Because we've got an attitude in this country. We've got an attitude problem. And, and the fact is, we don't have an attitude. That's our problem. We've got an attitude, but we, we, we believe the garbage that's peddled every day in the corporate-owned media and to a lesser degree in the government guild at ABC. We believe the garbage we hear and, you know, we listen to, you know, every day. And I don't include myself in that. I'm recyclable garbage. I'm actually useful. They're not. So getting to, back to the garbage, we believe that the private sector is always efficient. We believe, and it's a belief system, it's not based on fact, it's a belief system. We believe that capitalism, and especially corporate capitalism, is the only way to create wealth. We believe, as a community, that the way to reduce costs is to penalise workers and remove their penalty rates and remove all the gains they've made through decades of struggle. We believe that the private sector is king and every government responsibility needs to be outsourced to the private sector to decrease costs. Forgetting, that's right, forgetting that 40 cents of every dollar that goes from the taxpayer to the private sector to provide a service to the Australian community is pocketed by that private organisation in terms of running costs and profitability. And you've only got to be involved in the new start system to realise how much money is being made by organisations which are rotting the system and providing nothing back to people looking for work, who are using government punitive, torturous legislation to get people to jump through hoops for the sake of jumping through hoops, not for the sake of getting a bloody job. And I'm sick and tired of hearing the Morrisons of the world out there who I've got no respect for, nil, tell us dignity through work. It reminds me of the sign that was up above Auschwitz. Extraordinary, extraordinary statements by ignorant, stupid people who have no idea how society works. Professional politicians pandering to the demands of a corporate sector which is government has little more than a tool to manipulate in order that legislation is passed that continues to augment their profits and augment their power at the expense of Australians. And we sit around bitching about it and doing nothing about it. Because for far too long, we've believed the state, the government of the day, the bureaucracy, the public service is there for our benefit. Look at the robo-debt fiasco. 
and the way ordinary people were hounded for debts they didn't even owe. Extraordinary. Just extraordinary garbage. It's continuing in this country day after day after day after day. We get the same weak need response from the corporate-owned media and to a lesser degree, as I keep saying, the government girl at ABC. It's the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. My name is Justice Scott, I'm hosting today's program. This program will be podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. The program is currently being streaming live across the country into the Community Radio Network by the Community Radio Network. All right, here we go. Let's move on. So, second, good enough isn't good enough. The public sector should not be second rate. What's government for? If not to look after the interests of the people. I mean, traditionally, the state was there to ensure that the status quo remained in place and those who exercised power continued to exercise power and those who, who acquired wealth at other people's expense continued to acquire wealth at other people's expense. And people were shot, garroted, drawn and courted, jailed, exiled, humiliated, pilloried for having the audacity to challenge power. And then during the 19th and 20th century, during the period of revolutions, the state was forced to change its status through the sacrifices of hundreds of millions of men and women and children across this planet. For decade after decade, the state was forced to change its role, especially in uh, the democratic world, from an instrument of, a, instrument of oppression to an instrument which looked after the needs of its citizens. And we saw the explosion of the welfare state or the explosion of social security after the Second World War when, when people who had died fighting for their country came back and said, what about us? Today, after 40 years of deregulation, after 40 years of corporatisation, after 40 years of globalisation, after 40 years of privatisation, we find ourselves in a situation where all those gains that were made by the sacrifices of tens of thousands who died pursuing those struggles to improve our lives been legislated away by governments, the local, state and federal level, which are hostages to a corporate sector which believes it and it alone has the right to accumulate profit at the expense of everybody else for the benefit of their major shareholders. So I keep saying the ball's back in your court. I'm just one person. I can do so much. I encourage you to go to the PIPSI website, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest, pipsi.net. Have a look. Somehow you're interested, download the application form. Become a member. 
We'd like to be a federally recognised political party by the end of 2020. It's time we took up the struggle to these people, not just through direct action but through parliamentary process. You know, they love unleashing the police and the media on you, but they are a bit petrified when you take them on in their own ring. You've been listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. You can leave email messages on anarchistmedia.org or pipsy, P-I, or info at pipsy.net. Facebook pages to have a look at. Public housing, everybody's business. Defend and extend Public housing. Web pages, anarchistmedia.org, pipsy.net, YouTube channel, public interests before corporate interests, Twitter stream, pipsy underscore au. Materials out there? It's up to you. You can bitch and moan and carry on and cry in your sleep. Or you can do something about it. It's up to you. Ultimately, ultimately, in a democratic society, power doesn't rest in the hands of the state. It doesn't rest in the hands of the bureaucracy. It doesn't rest in the hands of the government of the day. It rests in your hands. And an inactive population is a population that is easily cheated, subdued and ignored. Look after yourself. We've got another week. The year's coming to an end. I've been revitalised by yesterday's experience. 18 hours. Haven't slept for about 26 hours. That's why I'm on fire. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, which has been broadcast via the Community Radio Network. You can leave messages, just nice messages, please. 0439 395 489. Gina, I'm waiting for your love. I'd like to be your boy like Barnaby is because he gets paid a lot of money, they tell me. Gina, I'm waiting for your call. But if you can't call, I'm happy to have anybody else. 0439 395 489. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. org. Info at pipsy.net. Keep going. <laughs> We're going. We're about to go. The cow has left. She is disgusted. She loves Scott Morrison. She respects him. I better tell her that he's not a vegetarian. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. Listen in next week. We're about to disappear. FreeCR.org.au, the podcast. Here we go. Evil minds that plot destruction. An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week. Australia's Sacred Cow Slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, larger.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.